You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After weeks of what felt like only bad injury news for the Chicago Bears, things are finally turning around in the positive direction as the Bears getting healthier, getting locked and loaded, ready for this regular season. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, join the Locked On Bears Facebook group, and make sure that you subscribe to Locked On Bears on YouTube to keep up with all of our video podcast content as well. On the show today, we catch up on the latest injury developments for your Chicago Bears, a number of key players all returning to practice, some in greater capacity than others, but all signaling full speed ahead for week one. Only one or two players still lingering. We'll touch base on them as well, but clearly some positive developments defensively and on the offensive line, two of the big areas where the Bears have struggled. This is a sign that, hey, maybe the sky isn't falling so much and we could still see a much more consistent team when the regular season comes around. Then we'll check in on new Bears wide receiver Isaiah Coulter, former fifth-round pick of the Houston Texans. They signed this week to add a little bit more size, a little bit more speed at receiver. We'll see where he fits in on this depth chart and what his chances might be to make this Bears 53-man roster. And then we'll wrap up with the latest report about the Oakland Raiders, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders, trying to trade for Khalil Mack back from the Chicago Bears this offseason. We'll go through all the reported details of what went down and maybe why the Bears might have said no and some of the different dynamics at play with Ryan Pace and John Gruden and Mike Mayock. But let's start with good injury news because we haven't had that in quite some time for for the Chicago Bears. And really, a slew of players coming back from injury, some missing these preseason games, some just getting more... You know, veteran time off slowly bringing them along, some recovering from more significant issues here. Uh, the tweet from Jeff Joniak I'll cite here, James Daniels, Eddie Goldman, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Ryan Nall all returning to practice. Right tackle Jermaine Effetti also is ready to come off of the physically unable to perform list with the hip flexor injury that's kept him from participating at all in Chicago Bears training camp. Of course, the big news here, Running back Ryan Nall back out. That's the headlining of that group. Your third string running back finally back in the mix there with Tariq Koninger. No, of course not. He's, he's the one of the whole group that we care the least about, I think. But it kind of speaks to a greater point here of like what we talked about on yesterday's podcast and a little bit on last Friday's podcast that, yes, things are looking bad with how the Bears played against the Bills and so many different injuries, but guys are going to get healthier. And we are seeing that now. They haven't had 14 guys go on injured reserve. It's all been slightly smaller nicks and bumps and hip flexors and back soreness here and there that they are coming back from. And Matt Nagy has said all along the goal is to have everyone as healthy as possible for week one. And everything else that happens in these preseason games, as long as it's not injury-related, can kind of go out the window. And so like I think specifically this Bears defense, you remember against the Bills, Mitch Trubisky started carving them up a little bit. 
There's a lot of quick passes, you know, underneath rhythm stuff and a little bit of mobility from him as well. as some of the Mitch things that we had seen from him be successful with in Chicago. But it's a Bears defense that was missing Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. So when Trubisky was hitting the middle of the field quite a bit, you didn't have your starters there. Missing Eddie Goldman up front. And really, the Bears played Akeem Hicks like eight snaps. Khalil Mack played like 10 or 11, right? You were not getting a full-strength dress rehearsal Bears defense getting torn up by Mitch Trubisky and, and the Bills' backups, right? This was not this was not the full strength of what the Bears could be, and we sort of know that, you know, you, that those guys are now supposed to be ready for week one. The fact that they're returning to practice at this stage before you even have one more preseason game says that there's a pretty good run-up here where unless they re-aggravate or worsen their injury in some unexpected way, this defense feels like all of your projected week one starters should then all be out there. We still have questions at cornerback and who's going to exactly win the starting job and who's going to be in the slot. Plus, we still need to see the pass rush really come together with the guys that we know that they have. But overall, right, the sky is not falling the way it felt like it was against the Buffalo Bills. And to some extent, I think the same is true for the offensive line. There's still some very real concerns there, but the group that we saw against the Buffalo Bills, that starting lineup for Andy Dalton had two two year starters and I think two guys that probably or might not make your 53-man roster with you know, Alex Bars, I think, is borderline at this point, and then on the right side, Lichkavia Simmons does not belong on the Chicago Bears 53-man roster based on what we've seen from him on tape and where the depth lies on this offensive line. So the fact that you have two not even barely NFL caliber players and only two of your actual week one starters leads me to not panic just yet as to where the level of offensive line play is. Because now with these guys all returning to practice, you have essentially your full week one starting offensive line there from left to right. We have Jason Peters practicing. Cody Whitehair at left guard played really well in the preseason. Sam Mustafer at center, he hasn't been missing any time. Then James Daniels now back at practice, and Jermaine Effetti coming off of the physically unable to perform list. That's your starting five. They haven't been able to practice together at all up to this point, and you like to string together as many of those as you can to get them as combined and cohesive as possible by the time week one comes around. But at least, at least they're back together now and not week three, week four, before we finally see that, that lineup really start. It doesn't mean that that group is going to be an elite offensive line that won't have any issues, but it is the best the Bears have. And we haven't yet seen the best the Bears have on the offensive line. And that's why Matt Nagy keeps coming back to this, this idea of we need to see not only Andy Dalton in the regular season, but the whole Bears offense in the regular season before you can really truly evaluate it because we just haven't actually seen the whole group together in any sort of extended period of time. And so as much as we try and evaluate guys individually, and, and there's some fair criticisms of a lot of them, let's see how Dalton does with his full slat of receivers, his full offensive line, his running back, his full running game, and you know the whole defense also to balance things out for him. Not going to unlock some superstar quarterback, but let's at least give him a fair chance before we totally throw every other player under the bus despite not having the full slate of people. I think the only lingering injuries that really stand out to me are, of course, Tevin Jenkins having the back surgery. And then Tariq Cohen started on physically unable to perform list with recovering from the ACL injury last season. Looks doubtful at this point if everybody else is coming back and Cohen still isn't. It's 
hard to set very significant expectations at this point. We don't know. We don't really have a good timeline on when he may or may not be back. But the Bears instead went out and brought in a little more speed at the skill positions, brought in another weapon to potentially mix in here, Isaiah Coulter from the Houston Texans. We'll learn a little bit more about the newest Bears wide receiver and where he might fit in this depth chart and potentially 53-man roster or where he fits in the roster battle at the very least next on Locked On Bears. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football with teams back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, betonline.ag is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, prop bets, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest, plus the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at betonline.ag. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. If you make a bet on the September 9th NFL season opening game between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, if you lose that bet, BetOnline.ag will refund your wager up to $25 when you sign up and use their promo code NFL100 to also get your 100% welcome bonus included. All the money you deposit, they will match that in addition to refunding your $25 on opening day. You can't beat that type of a welcome deal. Head on over to BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So the Bears send Anthony Miller to the Houston Texans, and what is it, a week, two weeks later, they sign a released Houston Texans wide receiver. Kind of a swap there with the Bears ending up with, I think, a fifth-round pick when it's all said and done. Isaiah Coulter, more than just your regular no-name mid-August free agent signing, he was a fifth-round pick just last year by the Houston Texans. Kind of a surprise release this early in his career, but... It's, it's worth a flyer for the Bears, absolutely. Kind of a, a smaller school prospect for sure, coming out of Rhode Island. He, he put up big numbers there, but level of competition, exposure, etc., not quite up to par with some of the other receivers in the draft. And I think that's really what it's about for the Bears in this case, that this is a player that they scouted in the NFL draft and clearly are interested in enough to bring him in and, and want to see maybe what he can do and get a little bit of a closer look at him because... We didn't really see that in the NFL yet. He really hasn't had those opportunities. But you see, you know, he's 6'2", ran like a 4'4", 40-yard dash. I think a nice, like, 36 vertical light leap. There's, there's some real physical tools here. He's big, fast, strong, but, you know, a raw prospect. Small school, level of competition, maybe not getting NFL-caliber coaching necessarily at Rhode Island. So you feel like you can bring him in see if your coaching staff can do something with him and at least kind of figure out where he is in his developmental curve just a year into a career that was already going to be raw coming out of Rhode Island. But last year, he had, a, I think, a, some kind of neck issue in the preseason and started part of the year on injured reserve and missed the first half of the season. And then I think he made one appearance on offense all year and didn't play any regular season special teams that I could find going back through. And so... There wasn't really any tape there for the Bears to evaluate what has changed from Rhode Island to now. I think the concern there is kind of like it's been with Riley Ridley, where the fact that 
he's unable to get on the field much at all is a red flag in and of itself, even though it, you know we ha- he hasn't put bad tape out there, but just the fact that they haven't even given him the opportunity might suggest that they've had reason not to give him the opportunity, that he hasn't done enough to earn some of those opportunities in some of the same ways we have those concerns about Riley Ridley. We did see Coulter get some real limited action in the first preseason game. I think he had one target, but it was not, and you know, it was off target, wasn't a catchable ball. So a tiny bit of special teams in that preseason game too, but nothing that is enough to watch the tape and go like, oh yeah, like let's let's go get that guy. Let's make sure we bring him in. But at least in Chicago, there's there's some opportunity here, right? I think, especially now that Anthony Miller's gone, there's even more of a, a space there to be filled. We kind of know your top four guys based on what we've seen in the preseason. It's it's Robinson, it's Mooney, it's Marquise Goodwin, and probably Demir Bird at this point seems to be pretty established as wide receiver four. But then five and six, I think, are still a bit open. You've got Javon Wims, you've got Riley Ridley, you've got the rookie Daz Newsom. All three of those guys could easily make, make a pretty strong argument for the last one or two wide receiver spots, depending on how many they're going to keep. But you could also easily see them releasing any of those guys at this point. They haven't really proven anything up to this stage. Then you throw in, you have seen some flashes from Rodney Adams, but the Bears haven't been particularly inclined to take a high-performing, undrafted free agent in the preseason and then put him on the 53 right away. That tends to be more of a practice squad trajectory, and you got to do it for a couple years maybe before you get that bump up to the, to the full, you know, the big boys. 53-man roster, but I think there's there's a real shot there that if if Coulter could you know really light up the preseason game, it's not for me. It's not about Coulter proving that he belongs to contribute right away in 2021, but more so he has to play well enough and practice well enough to say you don't want to risk losing me on the practice squad or as a free agent. That you know you have you would have to keep me on the 53-man roster to make sure some other team doesn't then scoop me up. And at this point, that seems pretty unlikely. I would bet it's kind of too late of an addition to this team to make the 53-man roster. But I do think, you know, there's, there is potentially some practice squad opportunity there because NFL, and especially in this new collective bargaining agreement, the practice squad is bigger. So there's room if you want to keep even two wide receivers on that practice squad. Maybe it's Riley Ridley, maybe it's Daz Newsom and Isaiah Coulter. Or maybe it's, it's Rodney Adams and Isaiah Coulter, right? I think there's... There's some room to move the pieces around here where you'll probably put one or two on your 53-man roster and one or two on your practice squad, and you can feel like you're holding on to the guys that you really want to develop, but you're only using the roster spots for guys that can contribute on special teams and make some kind of an impact somewhere on this roster in 2021. Maybe it's Daz Newsom as a punt returner. I, you know, Javon Wims has kind of been the top special teamer of that group, but there's room for Riley Ridley to do more, and there's room for Isaiah Coulter to earn that spot on special teams as well. So a, a lot still to be determined there, but I think being able to add a recent fifth-round pick that has some untapped potential, add him as a free agent where you're not risking anything, you didn't have to give up anything, minimum contract not going to cost really anything of note against your salary cap, might as well. You know, check him out, no-risk move, see, see what he can do. Because the Bears were approached with a, a much bigger potential risk level in a move earlier this offseason. The details just coming out yesterday about the Las Vegas Raiders trying to get the Chicago Bears and making an offer to the Bears to send Khalil Mack back to, I guess, back to the Raiders. I was going to say back to Oakland. He never played in Las Vegas. But reunite him with Derek Carr and John Gruden. It would have been sort of another blockbuster in Khalil Mack's career, but one the Bears weren't really willing to make. We'll, we'll try and discuss the Khalil Mack trade that wasn't and 
maybe some of the reasons why next on Locked On Bears. Seems like there's a lot of moving parts with these type of trade deals and players going back and forth. And there's no one I trust more for moving parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They got everything you could possibly need for your vehicle. Engine control modules and fuel pump injectors to easier stuff like, you know, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You name it, they've got it. So don't go to your local chain part store in your town and talk to the person behind the counter and they're going to ask you a thousand questions and punch it in their computer and go look in the back and see that they don't even have it in stock in the back. So they have to order it for you anyway. Cut out the middleman. Don't pay that extra cost. Head on over to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. When you check out, write in the words locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com It was kind of, I guess, a little bit out of nowhere when... The Athletic reported formally that the Chicago Bears and Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders had some kind of discussions about Khalil Mack in a potential trade. There's not really anything new that happened in mid-August to prompt such a report, but sometimes, you know, a reporter talks to the right person and somebody mentions something in passing, like, oh yeah, like when we tried to trade for Khalil Mack again this offseason, you're like, wait. What was that? What was that last thing you said? And then, you know, you report it and, and it becomes a little bit of a cycle. And it's, you know, it's, it's how the NFL media cycle works. But uh, interesting that the Raiders got to this point and, and were that interested in bringing them back. And I think there's some, some different potential dynamics here that, that stand out to me as to both why the Bears might have been interested, but then why ultimately they didn't end up pulling the trigger here. Some of the details here from the Athletic the Raiders had a glaring need for a proven pass rusher since trading Mech to the Chicago Bears nearly three years ago. And when free agency opened in March, that's this year, this past March, the Raiders targeted and planned to sign Yannick Ngakwe. But before they did, they made a phone call. Would the Bears be interested at all in trading Khalil Mack back to the Raiders? The Bears had significant salary cap issues, which forced them to release all-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller and restructure several contracts, and the Raiders thought it was worth a shot. The Bears were not interested, sources said, and the Raiders went ahead and signed Ngakwe to a two-year, $26 million contract. Very interesting to hear that the discussion was at least sort of had, and I think there's there's a few different things that, that stand out to me as... as Given the, the reference specifically to the Bears' salary cap issues, Khalil Mack's contract is not one that was very tradable from a salary cap standpoint. And we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But I wonder if that signals to me that the Raiders wondered then if the Bears were just going to blow it up and say, you know what, we're moving on from Mitch. We're starting over at quarterback. Let's, let's start over a little bit more in general, uh, collaborate some draft picks together, and then, you know, Maybe trade up and draft Justin Fields, but more do more of a formal blow-up as opposed to a retool rebuilding on the side to say the Raiders could say, hey, if you want to dump Khalil Mack, we'll give you Lord knows what. You know, the athletic article did not talk specifics as far as compensation offered, but it would have to involve multiple draft picks plus maybe, uh, maybe a quarterback, 
Derek Carr? I mean, maybe Mariota, but more likely Derek Carr. Because you think, you know, if this was March, the Bears had just gotten done pursuing Carson Wentz, rumored in a potential trade. Even apparently had checked in on Matthew Stafford, even though that doesn't seem super likely. So the Bears were looking, and Russell Wilson, of course, Bears were looking at trading for potential veteran quarterbacks. So maybe the Raiders say, hey, Derek Carr and... I don't know, some draft picks for Khalil Mack, right? Just spitballing, throwing some different things out there. Maybe that's maybe that's a little bit more tempting if you're getting some type of quarterback, although that doesn't quite then stay with the blow-it-up, rebuild-type model because why would you trade for a veteran quarterback then if you're trying to rebuild? That, that's, what, that's what we're trying to piece together is this, this sort of theory of what the Raiders were thinking and why they thought the Bears might take this deal because the big issue in all of this is the salary cap space and the way that the guarantees in Khalil Mack's contract stand, the Bears weren't going to save all that much money from trading Khalil Mack, at least this year. It would save money in 2022, 2023. Long-term savings were there, but like the immediate salary cap relief was going to be very little because so much of that money has sort of already been paid to Khalil Mack, and then the, the cap hit is spread out over the contract. So, like... You can't just have, like, Khalil Mack pay you back and then have the Raiders pay that money to save the Bears the money, right? It's already been paid. You're just footing the bill now later on. And you can't just you can't fudge the numbers that much to get direct, full, complete cap relief from Khalil Mack's contract. So it would have been potentially some. I can't pull an exact number from you because I can't go back and see what the different salary cap numbers were then because since then— the Bears restructured Khalil Mack's contract again and pushed more of that money into the future to save more of that money now. So all the numbers have sort of changed since that time, but it wasn't going to be ten. It wasn't you know it wasn't going to be the twenty six million dollars that they were trying to you know that they were paying Khalil Mack right. It wasn't going to be the full deal. It it was going to be very small. So it wasn't like it wouldn't have saved Charles Leno and Bobby Massey and Kyle Fuller right. Maybe it would have saved a couple of decisions here and there, or maybe would have freed up more money for some other free agent signing, but it didn't quite have the salary cap windfall that the Bears may have wanted. So it's it's just flimsy there as to why then the Bears might have wanted to. There's just, there's just Plus, if you're going to take the, the Derek Carr contract back, that's like another $20 million or whatever, that you wouldn't have saved enough from Khalil Mack to be able to afford Derek Carr on top of all the other offers. So it, it just it feels like it would have been almost exclusively draft pick based, but I can't imagine the Raiders were going to give the Bears back as many picks as the Bears gave up for Mac. what was that, three, four years ago now? I mean, he's just not, he's, he's older and he's, not, he's less valuable as than he was then, so then you're kind of, your asset depreciated and then you're giving it back up for less than you gave up for him. It just feels right. The, the, the narrative there, the feeling, the dynamics, it's hard to find like a scenario here as to why the Raiders thought the Bears exactly would take that deal to have it make sense for both teams. If the finances were different and you could have saved $25 million, then we, we have a different conversation about whether that would have been a, an all right idea because then you could free up a bunch of cap space, get a bunch of draft picks, and really just go young, acknowledge that you're not going to be as good this season, but you'd have Justin Fields and an extra first and maybe a future first and another second and a bunch of cap space, right? And you could start to do more of a, a full rebuild as opposed to like this retool along the way that the Bears are doing. So I just happen to wonder if maybe something like this isn't fully off the table just yet, like for next offseason or the offseason. Like I would imagine if I'm the Raiders, you know, six months from now after the season, I might still want Khalil Mack again. If you wanted him last year, why, why wouldn't you also want him again this year? And say 
things go really bad for the Bears this year, and maybe Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace get fired, for example, and you've still got Justin Fields, but you're not really in a position to compete right away with a new regime all around. Maybe then next year, Khalil Mack's cap hits a little bit easier to move because there's not as much front-loaded guaranteed money, you or you haven't, I guess, restructured as much of the immediate cash on the deal. He could be more tradable then, and maybe a new regime might be more inclined to say, yeah, you know, Khalil Mack will be 31, and that's a lot to be invested there when we're not really ready to compete, or whatever, however you might want to justify it. I just wonder if this conversation isn't fully over yet. That's... I think it, it depends on how this year goes for the Bears, but I'm I'm going to kind of keep my eyes and ears open to the idea here that maybe the Raiders might still be interested at some point. Certainly, uh, we'll we'll keep a close eye on it and provide any updates we get for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis, free and available on all platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, on YouTube as well. We are everywhere. We're not exclusive to any place. We're not charging you anything. We just ask you to tune in and listen. I mean, that's, I think you get something out of it too. We certainly have a lot of fun doing the podcast. I appreciate all the feedback we get from all of you listening, people liking and commenting on our YouTube channel, especially is a lot of fun to kind of have some of that back and forth discussion. Highly encourage you to join us and and have some fun with this as well because I think the more that you interact and and actually like engage with the podcast, the easier it is to bear down.